for that. Good evening. Glad you're here tonight. Um, tonight, like last Sunday night, um, is going to be uh, unique, yet very special. And I know we've got guests with us again tonight, as we had on Sunday night. And uh, so just bear with us uh, this evening, if you would please. For those who were not here last Sunday night, I presented to our church a possible two-year transition plan, and that plan was unanimously approved a couple of weeks ago uh, by our deacons in a meeting that we had together on August the 15th. I'm not going to go into all of the details that I went into last Sunday night, um, only to say that at the end of the service tonight, we're going to vote on uh, whether or not uh, to put the plan that has been presented to you uh, in action. I'm going to give you real quick the simplified version of this plan. If the church so votes tonight, then Brother Tyler will assume the role uh, of co-pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church uh, immediately upon the vote, if it's in the affirmative. And the reason behind the co-pastor arrangement, and really um, I'm doing this at uh, not his insistence, but certainly at his request. And the reason behind a co-pastor arrangement is to give the church the opportunity. Many of you know he's our son. He was born here, uh, was raised here, graduated from Fellowship Baptist School, went to Bible college, uh, came back home, and him and Jenny Lee have been on the staff now for... 12 years, I was going to say 12, honestly, um, but the reason for the co-pastor arrangement is to allow you, and Brother Tyler wants to allow you as a church family to view his life and ministry from the perspective of him potentially being your pastor and not just a staff member. As co-pastor, he will have increased pastoral responsibility and authority. That means that he will be attending all of the meetings that are held with the deacons and trustees. It means that he'll have more oversight over the ministry staff, and he'll also be learning the financial side of the ministry as well. As a co-pastor, uh, he will take on more of the preaching responsibility. Um, Brother Tyler preaches a good number of times, as it is now, uh, but those times are sporadically here and there as I'm out preaching elsewhere. Uh, but under this arrangement, uh, then Brother Tyler will be preaching more sequentially uh, as opposed to uh, sporadically, as I just mentioned. And that means that he will be taking weeks at a time, not services, but weeks at a time, 
uh, preaching through books and preaching through other series as the Lord leads him. So basically, that's, that's all of the detail I'm going to get into tonight. Um, you never know what you're going to miss when you, when you don't come to church on Sunday night. And uh, so if you want to know all that's in, involved in that, you can go online and listen to, I guess it was recorded, uh, you can go listen to it there. But uh, right now I want to give Brother Tyler <coughs> the pulpit tonight and just I've asked him to share some things with you that God has been doing in his heart and his life even since he's been on the staff here and certainly what the Lord has done over the last couple of years in leading him. Uh, to this place uh, in anticipation uh, of some things that we just talked about. So, Brother Tyler, you come. Thank you, Pastor. If you have your Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy. Sorry. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll get there in just a, a moment. I want to make some remarks here. I do want to say thank you to the church uh, for being here tonight, and uh, it means a lot to me that you would, you would consider uh, this an important service, and uh, casting your vote for the Future Fellowship Baptist Church important, and I, I really, really, really appreciate that. I also appreciate so much support that both my dad has received and that I've received since Sunday night via text message or just personal remarks. It means the world to us uh, to have such a gracious church. And I'm very, very, very humbled uh, by so many kind things that have been said. I, I do think that there's a proper balance uh, to take place in all of this between sadness and gladness. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit, but, but I, it's okay to be sad about him transitioning out and... It is okay to be glad that I'm transitioning in, perhaps. Um, I think there's just a good balance uh, to have, and neither one of us are bothered by either side of it. Um, I do want to thank Pastor publicly for his wisdom in this transition and for hearing from God and following God by faith and courage. It means a lot to me, Dad, how you've led this. And the spirit that I've seen that you've had with the deacons in the church has been one of humility and of absolute surrender to God. And it, it has been amazing to watch. Uh, you exemplify that to me personally. I love how he's led this transition in this sense uh, that I think he struck a clear balance between pastoral authority and recommending uh, who God's laid on his heart, but at the same time giving way for congregational assent. And I don't believe that any church should, should be totally congregational, congregationally driven uh, to the exclusion of pastoral authority. And I don't think that any church ought to be so driven by pastoral authority that the congregation never gets to voice an opinion. I think what we're doing tonight and what we're doing over the next two years provides that space uh, between what's on pastor's heart and maybe uh, what is going to be on your heart as placed there by God. I'm thankful for pastor's leadership. I am thankful for the deacons. I met with them several weeks ago, and I, I've only been in deacons meetings a couple times, and I'll say this of our deacons, they are amazing men, uh, great men. Um, they're not just yes men to our pastor, they offer great wisdom and insight, 
and I've seen them guide my dad and help my dad and, and pray for my dad and put their arms around my dad and lift up his arms. And, and as I sat in that meeting, my dad can testify. I, I walked out and we talked that night and I, I, I was just shocked by how gracious uh, they were to me and, and to this thought about transition. And I, I'm thankful for you deacons and I admire you a lot and I'm thankful for the part you play in Fellowship Baptist Church. And then I want to say this before I get into the scripture tonight, um, that I'm thankful for my wife. And I want you to know that when you vote for the transition to start, if that is what is on your heart, I want you to know you're not just voting for me. You're voting for two other people, my son Kevin and my wife Jenny. We are a package deal. I know you'd vote for them, but you have to settle with me. <laughs> that is right. In all honesty, uh, my mom has been a terrific pastor's wife and first lady of Fellowship Baptist Church. And Jenny would have big shoes to fill, but I live with that woman every day. And though she's a different personality and different leadership style, she is a very godly woman. I see that, that it's not just put on at church. She is the sweetest, kindest person I've ever met in my life. Even when she's mad, she's sweet. It's not just a personality thing. Gentleness and kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. And I see her walking with God. I sit, she sits in the chair in the living room every morning and spends time in the Word of God and walks with God. And I, it's been pretty amazing to watch God do a work in her heart preparing her specifically in the last year to potentially assume the role of a pastor's wife. And I'm proud of you, Jenny. I love you, and I'll need you. And I want you to know that she and Kevin are my first priority and my first ministry. And it doesn't matter what I do at Fellowship Baptist Church. It would never matter what I do behind this pulpit if I lose them. And uh, I believe that's biblical. And I hope by God's grace we could always keep it that way. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and just two verses. I'll admit to you, I, I want to preach these verses in their full context, which certainly is my habit, but I'm going to share some things on my heart and use these verses to help frame those thoughts. In verse 1 of chapter 2, the Bible says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. President Ronald Reagan said this, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. Profound quote about freedom. And I understand Fellowship Baptist Church certainly isn't a nation. We're a local church. And our objective is not to preserve freedom. We are to preserve the faith and pass on the faith. But if I were to adapt Ronald Reagan's quote and fit it into our context tonight, I think it would go like this. Fellowship Baptist Church is never more than one generation away from apostasy. The faith is not passed on to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. 
or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what Fellowship Baptist was once like in liberal Kansas where the truth set men free. Much like freedom, the faith is fragile and is never more than one generation away from extinction. That's why our pastor is giving so much carefulness and our deacon so much carefulness to the timing and the details and the process of this pastoral transition. I want to say that this transition is not about Pastor Prater. It's not about Tyler Prater. This transition is far greater than any man. It's about the work of the gospel through Fellowship Baptist Church. Specifically, this transition is about properly transferring the faith from one generation to the next. And that involves two things, giving and receiving. And if either part of this transfer fails, the giving of it or the receiving of it, then that means the work of the gospel through Fellowship Baptist Church will be drastically affected. Believe it or not, there's a lot on the line. The text we're reading from tonight is the very last book that the Apostle Paul wrote in his lifetime. He was writing to young Timothy. Paul loved Timothy as his son, and that's demonstrated in how he addressed him in verse number 1 of our text, where he said, Thou therefore my son. And in verse 2 of our text, it's clear that Paul, as Timothy's father in the faith, was entrusting his spiritual son to pass on what he has been taught. Timothy and I have a lot in common. I too have a Paul that is a father in the faith. He just happens to be my biological father as well. No one has influenced me more in all matters of life, especially in the work of the ministry, than my father has. To have served the Lord and the good people of Fellowship Baptist Church alongside of him for 12 years now and And if the Lord wills to continue to serve together for many years to come, I say this from my heart, it's nothing short of an incredible privilege. There might be many questions regarding my dad's role and purpose and future in my life and in the ministry here in the future. And I understand the concerns and I appreciate them. And I want to say a few things too about those concerns or just the curiosity or that that is around that issue I'll start by saying this he is still the pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church and though I will be entrusted with more leadership responsibility and pulpit time and more authority along those lines there still is only one pastor of this church and it's not me I will honor him and I will respect him throughout this process as my pastor And I'm asking you as a congregation to do the same. We don't want this transition to create a church of Corinth situation where there's a segment of fellowship that's for Apollos and a segment of fellowship that's for Paul. No, I'm asking you to honor the office of the pastor and the office of the pastor's wife and to treat them both as such until the day they transition out. Your sadness to see him transition out is absolutely appropriate. It's not viewed negatively by Jenny or myself in any way. And so I'm asking you to not hesitate to show him or share with them your appreciation for their service over the next couple of years. And and even voice your sadness for their transition. You don't have to be afraid of voicing that around us. Though we haven't discussed many details in 
particular regarding his future and his purpose, myself and I'm confident that the deacons are committed to taking care of pastor and my mom. For nearly 40 years they have poured their lives into this place and we are convicted by our duty to honor that service and we will. He will play an important role to me personally and to this church moving forward in the future and the details of that will be discussed and arranged in God's time with his leading. I'm aware that should I be the pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church, I would be inheriting something that in large part my Paul built. I understand that he too in May of 2000 inherited something that Brother Landis with God's grace built. And he's expressed many times his thankfulness for that. But I want to make a point that it's undeniable that, that our pastor has taken what he inherited and he has built on that. And he has taken the ministry locally, nationally, even internationally to a new level of effectiveness in terms of its gospel influence. Our church has nearly doubled in size since his taking over the pastorate. And to be a community of 20,000 people and to double what was already a decent sized church in a small town, that's incredible. Our local influence and local testimony as a church has dramatically changed for the better and pastor has led the way in that from his ministry to law enforcement to his involvement in community organizations such as LEAD and Bright Futures and the Domestic Violence Center. Pastor has put our church in good standing with our community. Not to mention the many liberal love projects that he's led us to, to do in the recent years. Our national influence for Christ has increased through the training of two good families and the planning of two solid, healthy, Bible-preaching churches in Arizona. Our international influence in the area of worldwide missions has stayed strong and increased over the years as we support 68 missionaries and mission works around the world. And every year have given over $200,000 to worldwide missions. I could go on and on, but the truth is that he has taken what was passed on to him and he has successfully passed it on to others. I'm saying that not to elevate a man, but to say that I will forever be indebted to my dad, our pastor, for what he has worked so hard to preserve and now hand off. That is exactly what the Apostle Paul was telling Timothy to do in this text. Timothy was given a responsibility that was bigger than himself. Think about it. When the greatest church planner in history and one of the greatest Christians in history is telling you to pass on what he personally taught you, that's a pretty big deal. And on top of that, Paul knew what kind of opposition and temptation to compromise that Timothy would have to endure. And that's why Paul said in verse 1 of chapter 2, be strong in the grace of that is in Christ Jesus. It's important to note that Paul did not tell young Timothy to simply be strong. That would be debilitating advice in the long run because no man can stand in their strength alone. Especially those men who are doing the work of the ministry. And even if Timothy had a remarkable amount of human strength, it would still run out over time because even the strongest form of human courage is still a very limited resource. So Paul told young Timothy, be strong in grace. If I were to be given the responsibility of pastoring this church, I realize 
that it would be a responsibility that is much bigger than me. I can never survive by simply relying on the strength of my talent or my personality or my leadership. I could only survive under the weight of such responsibility by relying fully on the grace of God. That being said, I want to take verse 2 of chapter 2 in two separate parts. And I want to examine Paul's exhortation to Timothy to pass on the faith. And he started by saying this, it begins with receiving. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. Receiving. Paul told Timothy that there were some things he had heard from him. That he had been taught by him. So the question is, what are these things that Paul throughout the years had planted into Timothy's life? Well... Chapter 1 and verse 13, would you look at your Bible? It tells us, hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me. Turn to chapter 3 of 2 Timothy and verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child, watch, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Paul is referring to the sound doctrine and the scriptural teaching that Timothy had received firsthand from him. And I want to stop right here. And I want to say how thankful I am for having received sound doctrine and sound Bible teaching from this church and from this pulpit literally my entire life. It started at home. That picture is classic. In all sense of the definition, classic. My mom has got a timeless look. My brother is being my brother. I look like I have Down syndrome. And then there's my dad. The comb over. The transition lenses. And the you can't touch this look. Go back to the family picture. That's what you get for calling me grasshopper the last 10 years. I'm praying that with this transition, that phrase ceases to exist. I've grown up in an amazing home. My parents from a young age have brought me to church every service, have taught me the scripture, and have demonstrated to me what loving and serving the Lord with joy looks like. I'm indebted to them for that. But it's not just them, it takes a village to raise a kid, and so it, it continued with many in the nursery. Anybody know who that is? She's a jewel. That's Diane. Yes, Diane Puthers. Right back, she's been working in the nursery for a long time. Now that's not particularly the nursery, but that represents a segment of our church that helped raise me, put into my life. And I'm thankful for you, Miss Diane. Thankful for your service in that ministry. And I'm also thankful for all those that serve in the ministry today. I'm thankful that you take that ministry very seriously because you never know. You never know what those babies will turn out to be. 
it continues with Sunday school and children's church and people that put into my life. This picture represents uh, people that helped me learn how to sing. Virginia, my dad, Miss Kay, and Brother Bolin and others along the way. That was my first liberty. In fact, Cindy Knudsen taught us the song that we sang that year. Remember that, Cindy? She was a children's choir director for years and years and years. And I'm not sure we learned how to sing good, but we learned how to sing loud. <laughs> I'm thankful for those that taught me to love and appreciate godly music. I, uh, let's go to the next picture. I don't know how that, Mike, I told you to leave that picture out. <laughs> but since he included it, I will just make the point. I was a three-sport athlete. My nickname was Bo Jackson. But anyway, go to the next picture, if you would, please. Um, it's just my friends called me. But, um, my Christian school. I go, got to go in from kindergarten uh, through my senior year. Uh, that's my best friend, Luke. We graduated together, went all 13 years together to school. And Brother K, Miss K, uh, and others taught me and invested in me. And I had the privilege of having that Christian education. And to you, Brother K, Miss K, and all those that have helped, Teach me through that ministry, I'm thankful. I'm indebted to you. And I could show a lot of pictures that represent what I'm trying to get across. But I am just trying to say thank you for teaching me biblical doctrine and sound biblical truth, showing me what love in Jesus is supposed to look like. But the verse doesn't stop with Paul reminding Timothy everything he had received. Because he goes on to instruct him to pass it on and that's the second responsibility giving the same commit thou to faithful men there's some specifics about passing it on that Paul didn't want Timothy to miss if you'll notice the phrase it begins with two words the same Paul was not instructing Timothy to take what he had received to spruce it up a little bit to throw some polish on it and change it to be more palatable and then to pass it on. Paul was careful to tell Timothy to pass on the same thing he had received. Timothy, there's no need to change it. False doctrine surrounded Timothy on every side. All you got to do is read chapter 3 and 4 to understand that. And on top of that, young Timothy, who apparently had a timid disposition, would have been prone to changing the truth to fit his circumstances, to bow to the pressures of the culture around him, to ease up a little bit on the doctrinal truth that he had been taught. But it was important for Timothy to understand that biblical doctrine is not up for discussion. That scriptural truth is not to be meshed with. And that wasn't just true for Timothy, that's true for me. I've been handled Bible truth and I've been entrusted to pass on the same I have no right to pass on my version of the faith I have no right to pass on my version of the truth my dad didn't have his version and brother Landis didn't have his version we had the Bible version 
And we are obligated to pass on the same faith, the same doctrine, the same Bible truth as we've been given. In fact, you can read throughout 2 Timothy, and Paul says to young Timothy, in essence, you're going to have to be even stronger and bolder in the declaration of this truth than I ever was, simply because as we get closer to Christ's coming, evil men will wax worse and worse, and time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. And so he exhorts him on his deathbed hey young Timothy preach the word exhort with all long suffering and doctrine reprove and rebuke and exhort preach the word brother Landis was strong on Bible doctrine wasn't he if you knew him our pastor's been strong on Bible doctrine but I I think because of the times in which we live and where we're headed as a country I'm going to have to be even stronger I want to be clear tonight, I am committed to passing on the same thing I received in terms of Bible truth. What you've heard from this pulpit and what you've been taught from this book will not change. In fact, I'm committed by the grace of God to preach the truth and nothing but the truth stronger than ever as we see the day of Christ approaching and the day of compromise increasing. No, we don't live in a culture that has gotten quieter about their beliefs. No, with the help of social media and liberal news outlets, our culture is attempting to cram their message down our throats and even worse, down the throats of our children and grandchildren. Though I intend to declare the truth with grace because the Apostle Paul told us to, because I intend uh, to to, to declare the truth with long-suffering because Paul said that we ought to preach the word with all long-suffering, I do not intend to take a back seat to our worldly and carnal culture as they grow increasingly bold in their declaration of what is fault. I commit by the grace of God to grow increasingly bold in my declaration of the truth, the same truth that was passed on to me. If I'm honest with you, I appear to be strong in that belief now because I am, but I haven't always been. I visited with the deacons about this in clear transparency. I was raised beneath very, very conservative doctrine. I was taught in Bible college very conservative doctrine. And then I came back and began my ministry here. I'll never forget, I went on a follow-up visit with my dad. It was just me and him. And we went into the home of a family that was obviously wealthy. And they would, carnally speaking, carnally speaking, not spiritually speaking, carnally speaking, I'm thinking as a, as, as, as a preacher, as someone who has the best interest of Fellowship Baptist, well, that'd be a blessing to have them. So my dad began to talk to them about church membership. They'd come nearly every Sunday for months. And they they were interested, very interested. Then we got to the issue of baptism. They didn't have Baptist baptism. And if you're wondering why we only accept Baptist baptism, I encourage you to take the first steps class with Brother Mike where he goes through that. Or I'll talk to you about it. And I... We'll never forget the feeling in my heart as that couple virtually said, we're not going to do that. I don't know if I voiced it in my dad's car to him 
that night or not, but over the course of time, I began to doubt that that was really necessary. I mean, shouldn't we just accept anybody who wants to be a church member, no matter what church they came from, without submitting to baptism? And why closed communion? So many people that would love to take communion every Sunday here. Why close? Why only for the body of Christ, this local church? And I was really doubting in my mind that those were valid doctrines. And I really questioned, are we holding the rope a little too tight? And I'm thankful for a pastor that gave ear to my concerns and my questions without pushing back judgmental comments or asking me to leave but patiently endured the process God was taking me through. And I'll never forget when I came to the conclusion that our conservative doctrine was worth fighting for and holding with love and grace. It just dawned on me one day when my dad was talking to me. And he said, son, if you're not satisfied with any Bible answer, then just consider what it's done for our church. And he began to talk about the unity of Fellowship Baptist Church. The strength of Fellowship Baptist Church. That's not because every personality is the same. We have a lot of diversity in this body. He explained to me, and I believe it, it's because we are all centered on the truth. And the baptistry serves as kind of a unifier. Kind of a filter. To make sure that You believe what we believe. After all, we're not joining you. You're joining us. And my dad began to share that with me. And as he does, it was with grace. And it was with patience. And it was with love. As we should preach those doctrines. But a light bulb turned on my head. Why give up unity? Why give up strength? Why give up stability so that we could have more people? And I realized real quick that what we would lose is a lot more than what we would gain if I gave up sound Bible doctrine. Let me be clear and say Paul wasn't asking Timothy to pass on his personal preferences. And he wasn't asking Timothy to pass on his hobby horses. He was asking him to pass on biblical doctrines. Because preferences are negotiable, doctrines are not. Thankful in the areas of philosophy, and I hope you'll hang with me. Seem to be more gray areas. I'm thankful that my dad and I are on the same page. You'll see little to no change in those areas. For instance, I believe the church's commission ought to be the Great Commission. That our calendar, our financial report, our programs, our church events ought to all point to the fact that we're all in when it comes to reaching souls for Christ. That involves active participation in the community, continuing a thriving bus ministry and maintaining a strong emphasis on faith promise missions. I believe Fellowship Baptist ought to remain a church that is outward focused, not inward focused. I believe that that liberal love ought to be our DNA and ought to be what we're known for, loving God and loving others with all our heart, souls, and minds. I believe we ought to have a heart to reach the next generation, which involves starting with safe, clean, organized nursery. 
and continuing to mix faith and fun effectively in our children's ministries and equipping Brother Paul and Miss Crystal to reach teenagers with the gospel and helping parents to not just raise good kids but godly kids. I believe the music of Fellowship Baptist Church ought to stay God-honoring, balanced with spirit and truth, worshipful and dynamic. And I know what some may be thinking, as was voiced on Sunday night, how does it stay that way if you're not doing it? I know that question was asked, and I want to speak to that for a moment. I want to say this, that much of what I've done in the music ministry the past 12 years has been building on what Pastor and so many others have worked hard to build years ago. It's not just built on me. Literally, what you see on an every Sunday basis is years of work that has gone on throughout several generations. I didn't teach Heather how to sing. Her mom and dad did. Did you hear that, parents? Her mom and dad thought it was important to sing in church. And they brought her to kids' choir. I didn't teach Joel how to sing. He still can't sing better than me. (laughs) But I didn't teach him how to sing. If I did, he would be better than me. His parents valued that and saw that in him. I also know that the majority of the success we've experienced in the music ministry here is a result of the talent the Lord has given us and the faithfulness and willingness of those who have that talent. The work and time and commitment these people put forth to sing the choir songs you enjoy and the specials you enjoy, it's countless hours. But I have been determined to build on what I was given. So I have worked hard at taking all areas of our music ministry to the next level with God's help. That includes the choir and the specials and the instrumentalists and the congregational singing. And with that being said, it's not sustainable for me to do the entire music ministry from leading a choir to the congregational singing to the organization of it all. However, I will not step completely out of the music ministry. Why? It's who I am. It's in my blood easy for me because it's a passion of mine not easy in its workload but easy in its burden I absolutely love it and can't see myself not involved in it and steering the direction of it even if I am preaching three times a week I can say this that there will be a plan there will be a structure there will be a team in place to ensure that our music ministry will not step down and its part in our worship service will not will stay as effective as it's ever been I promise you that Again, the effectiveness of that music ministry relies as much or more on the talent that God has given us. And there, listen, if God will allow us to keep the talent he's given us, and if that God-given talent will stay as committed to the music ministry, and excellence in it as they are now will be just fine. I hope you got the truth that was intended in that last statement. Paul told Timothy to pass on the same. The same. I want to show you one more thing. He said, when you pass it on, it's important who you pass it on to. Commit thou to faithful men. I've talked about pastor a lot, and rightfully so. He's talked about Brother Landis a lot, and rightfully so. They've been faithful. But notice that Paul didn't tell Timothy to pass the same faith to a faithful man, singular. He told Timothy to pass the same faith to faithful men, plural. As much as I love my dad and love Brother Landis, Fellowship Baptist Church isn't what it is today simply because of one faithful man. Our church is not defined by a pastor 
and will never be defined by a pastor, but rather by generations of faithful men and women who have and do carry out the work of the ministry and share the gospel so faithfully every week. Hear me. Fellowship Baptist Church has not gotten to the place it has on the backs of unfaithful people. We have gotten to this place in ministry effectiveness because multiple generations of men and women have faithfully given themselves to the work of the Lord. And the only way, listen, that this transfer of faith works is if there is another generation of faithful men and women that I can pass the faith to, that I can commit to teach. That's why I said at the beginning of the message, Fellowship Baptist Church is only one generation away from apostasy. If the next generation of Fellowship Baptist Church ceases to be faithful in both teaching the truth and being taught the truth, we will be the generation that is responsible for destroying the effectiveness of the gospel through this place. I do not want to be part of the generation that takes the good ship fellowship down. I want to be the generation that takes fellowship farther. But I cannot do that without the partnership of faithful men and women from every generation surrounding me. I have so much to say to my generation of fellowship, much of what I'll articulate in the future if God wills. But allow me to address the generation that's gone before me that I've already thanked and is still here because you're a vital part of this transfer of faith. I, don't, I, I wouldn't categorize this generation by age. You can qualify yourself to be part of the generation that went before me. I'll just tell you I need you and we need you. Because you bring a measure of life experience and God-given wisdom that my generation doesn't have. And no amount of talent, ability, creativity, or energy from my generation is ever more valuable than what you have to offer in experience and wisdom. And if we become a church who is dominated by the younger generation, and what I mean by that is that we only listen to the voice of the young, we will head down a road of compromise quickly. Without you, we will be a church with a lot of energy, but no wisdom. We will be a church that is a mile wide, but only an inch deep. Our church has always been a multi-generational church. In fact, it's more multi-generational right now than it's ever been. All you have to do is visit the nursery, then, then go upstairs to the children's ministry, then the youth wing, then the synergy room, then Brother Mills' class that's packed. And you'll know that multi-generational ministry is happening right now, and it's actually a biblical model. In Titus 2, the old men were to teach the young men, and the aged women were to teach the young women multi-generational i'm just trying to tell you that the bible is all about a church where two and three generations are serving the lord simultaneously in the same place with joy and unity for those that might, might be nervous that a younger pastor will not be interested in connecting with the older generation let me assure you that this young pastor if the lord wills is committed to seeking out the counsel of the older generation listening to the older generation honoring the older generation and serving alongside the older generation that's why i'm not opposed to my mom and dad sticking around here because i want to be able to seek their wisdom and seek their counsel and that's why i value our deacons so much because i will need their wisdom and will need their counsel but may i be very transparent with with the older generation this is not a time for you to check out 
not a time for you to check out of ministry involvement and teaching and giving and leading in this church. I, I, I would argue that this is the time when we actually need you the most. Pastor's been clear, he's not retiring, he's transitioning in ministry, but the last thing we want to do is send out a message that it's time for every person who's part of his generation to transition with him and step down with him. Because I need you so desperately, and because the work of this church relies on you so heavily, I'm asking you as the older generation to stay plugged in, stay active, help mentor the next generation of Fellowship Baptist Church. You can't do that from a distance. We need you in the trenches with us. Then may I speak to my generation. If the generation of faithful men and women before us commit themselves to passing on their faith to us and staying in the battle with us, we must commit to receive what it is they're passing on. Meaning we cannot afford to fumble the transfer. Listen, we cannot put everything on the shoulders of our parents and grandparents. We have a responsibility of receiving the faith so that one day we can pass on the faith to the generations coming behind us. I'm telling you, it's time for us to step up. In so many ways, my generation has stepped up, Pastor, and is stepping up in our church. But listen, it's time for us not to steal the burden of Fellowship Baptist Church, but to share the burden of this ministry with the generation before us. That means we must share the burden of teaching children, and share the burden of driving a bus, and share the burden of greeting at the door, and share the burden of singing in the choir. It means that we share the burden of financing the ministry, both right here and abroad. That means we steward our money in a way that will allow us to be generous to the work of God like so many in the previous generation have been and still are. That means we don't wait to get rich before we get generous. We don't wait to sacrifice until we get wealthy. We choose to sacrifice from what little wealth we have now and watch God bless it. The burden is not all ours to bear, but it's time for my generation to step up and start sharing more of that burden. So I close because Fellowship Baptist Church and the faith that we hold dear It's only one generation away from extinction. We must get this right. And to get it right, we have to get the transfer right. Which involves both giving and receiving. That's my heart for this pastoral transition. Simply put, I desire to do what Paul instructed young Timothy to do in these two short verses. Be strong and pass it along. I don't just think the Being the pastor of Fellowship Baptist Church is merely a good idea for me and my family. I don't think that it's just a smart career move that is simply too good to turn down. My wife and I believe we have been called by God for such a time as this to shepherd this flock and to reach this community with the gospel. In fact, both of us are overwhelmed in our hearts with the burden to do so. To be considered by this church to be the next pastor, pastor's wife. It's incredibly humbling and exciting all at the same time. Should that be the desire of the congregation, we would count it as one of the greatest privileges and responsibilities we've ever been afforded. May God's will be done. Father, I sure love you. Thank you for your goodness to us and your word. Lead your people in the way they should go. In your most precious name, amen.